Welcome to episode 54 of the False Neutral Podcast. I'm Pete. Eric is with me today. Garrett is not with us again this week. Uh, he has a life. Um, <laughs> but I want to thank Eric for handling last week's episode. It, it really can... I like to think that I follow racing. I had to go to Hooniverse and follow along and look at the pictures so that I didn't lose track of who you were talking about because so many of the names meant nothing to me. Well, there, there are a number of rookies this year. I think there's five rookies, uh, racing this year and there has been a decent turnover and movement uh, of riders and bikes. So, uh, not, you know, not unexpected, I guess. And, uh, I tried to keep it kind of high level, but I know when David and I get talking, cause we're both kind of hardcore in a MotoGP, it's, it's kind of hard not to get into a little bit of the minutia. Well, just to give you an idea, the last racer whose entire career I, I followed very closely, uh, was Doug Poland. So <laughs> <laughs> that's been a bit. Yeah. It, it's been a while since I've, I've actually paid more attention to the, Asia Road Race series than I have to World Superbike or to MotoGP all of last year, only because uh, the Asia Road Race series does such a really good job of putting interesting stuff into my Facebook feed. So, <laughs> <laughs> and to their credit, um, from some things I've seen here in the last month or so, they're uh, they're doing a good job of, of of bringing up talent and developing talent and getting some run like outside of Southeast Asia. So that's good. Yeah, uh, and and they do some really good stuff with helping you get to know some of the names with some human interest, you know, profile and backgrounders and stuff like that on Facebook, which makes it a whole lot easier to root for people because, truthfully, if you're just watching bikes and helmets on the track. It doesn't mean as much to you if yeah. you don't know who's underneath the helmet. Right. Yeah. Uh, personality is everything. And I think that's, that's actually one of the things David and I spent some time talking about was, uh, was how just you could, someone could be equal, uh, equal in talent or close enough as makes no difference, but it's the personality of that writer or the style that writer has, whether, you know, aggressive or analytical or whatever that just makes you root for them. So, uh, I have to share with you, uh, our friend of the podcast, Rusty Spokes, uh, texted me today and he, he said that, uh, cause I, I kind of said, Hey, what did you think? Did they get too far down in the weeds? And he said, no, he, he said that there was a lot of interesting info and comments in there and he considers himself just a casual fan but he he said you guys did a really good job that uh oh, cool. it was easier to listen to than he expected because he was thinking oh is this going to be stuff that you know is going to be w w way down into the the niche information or you know <laughs> slang nicknames of everybody and not know who he's talking about so yeah i uh i was pretty conscious of that so i tried to uh and i even told david ahead of time um that we were trying to try and keep it on a higher level so um i'm glad that it, glad that rusty uh, liked it and thought we did a, a decent job so it's always a little odd when you're or a little not odd but a little a little bit nervous just because it's so different than what we do on the show normally that i didn't want to put people off by it so well, we've done so many different things. I mean, we've done the what's the ask game show or trivia contest or whatever. You know, it's like it's like we've tried to mix it up enough that something different is kind of what we do. 
And I think when we get uh, the three of us together again, I think it's about time to do another one of those. Uh, what's the What's the ask? Because it's been a while, and and that was a fun game. So. I, I got some feed, good feedback from listeners, especially if they went to Hooniverse and looked at the pictures of the ads. So we'll, I'll have to trot that out again sometime. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to do it in the next, you know, couple of weeks, but just as a, yeah, we get, we get, we need to circle back to that one. That was fun. You know what we should do is we should have Abby back on and have him play. Yes. That, <laughs> oh, that would be, I don't know, is that cheating? Oh, no. And then, and sneak in one or two bikes that are on his site to see how much he pays attention. <laughs> Although I have a feeling he could, he could probably book chapter and verse the whole, the whole thing. So, um, <coughs> probably uh, I have to say we, in my text conversation with Rusty, he kind of, uh, lamented that Garrett was not on and he'll be bummed this week as well. He, he said, uh, I could listen to Garrett talk all day. I dig his voice combined with his laid back personality. So, um, <laughs> You and I are chopped liver, so uh, yeah. The fact that he really knows his stuff in the workshop doesn't hurt either. Doesn't so. hurt. No, no, that does not hurt at all. Speaking of the workshop, um, and Garrett, you got some parts from Garrett. Yes, I I got the laser cut uh, engine mounting plates from him, uh, which he very kindly declined payment for, and it was like. It was like twelve bucks just to ship it to me or something oh. like that. So I I appreciate he's he's on a student salary with with a, a newborn. Uh I I thank you very much, Garrett, for for that very gracious gift. And uh yeah, they were absolutely perfect. I I'll have to put a picture of them. I've I've mocked it up a little bit. I put them just used some all thread and got them in position and they're exactly what I needed and it was so much easier than a drill and a hacksaw and a file and everything else that I would have used. And they look a whole lot nicer. Uh, cranked up the lathe and started making some of the, the little couplers I need to put all my replacement frame tubes in place. Uh, those were all bent and they just need to be cut to length, but I want to make the couplers first and do that. So I actually did get to spend some time in the workshop and work on that. I, also spent some time working on the electrical system of the Honda and wow, that's about as simple an electrical system as there is on any motorcycle. And about a dozen wires and that's about it. And it's still befuddling me. <laughs> <laughs> I bought super cheap, no name Chinese or, or, uh, Asian, uh, switch gear for the bars because my old ones I deduced that they were not making reliable contact and that's why I was having all of these weird uh, electrical problems that were so intermittent it was because my switches were bad and I tried cleaning them with contact cleaner and it really didn't help so I said you know what I'm just going to solve this problem and get good reliable switches and I did and I got really cheap Asian switches but they're new unfortunately I used to have the high beam, uh, low beam off switch was with the kill switch on the right hand side and everything else was on the left. Well, this one has everything on the left except for the kill switch. So I got a kill switch. I got this big module that has a built in, the old one had a built in, uh, uh, brake perch in or clutch perch that I had to replace that. So I, I got all new parts for the handlebars, got it all together. 
the wires that come out of this new plug have two additional brown wires my other one doesn't have. I discovered that even though the other wires are the same colors, the colors don't line up to the functions correctly. <laughs> They're thinner gauge wires than what were on. I mean, because the ones that were on the Honda was using in 73 are, are like, you know, you could use to hold up a suspension bridge. They're these okay. huge wires. The new ones are much thinner and they have blade connections like for a Molex connector on the end of them rather than the big Honda bullets. And the Honda bullets are not the standard you would find in a American hardware store. Mm-hmm. So I had to go out and order a whole set of crimp on Honda profile bullets. And I'm putting those on the wires and, and I got about halfway through and I started hooking them up and I'm like, okay, I think I know how all these go together. And I started, and other than the horn, I haven't gotten anything to make contact correctly. <laughs> and so, so that's where I'm at right now. And so I even like decided to just get out a six volt continuity tester and start testing things. I'm like, okay, this should be the, the, the ground and the turn signal wire. So when I turn this turn signal switch, it should make the light light and nothing. I'm like, oh, so I'm, I'm back to ground zero of just trying to figure out what these, whatever it is, nine wires are that come out of there. And I'm hoping that I don't have a defective switch. You, you need to take the Honda switch apart and desolder it and resolder it all together <laughs> at this point. Pretty much. So I'm, it's it's a challenge, and it's coming up to really nice riding weather where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I really want to get this done so I can ride it, which was the intention all along while I work on the Boltaco. But once I got the Boltaco number the the mounting plates, I'm like, Hey, now I want to go work on that. So I've been dividing my time between the two of them and not getting anything all that successfully accomplished on either one of them. Yeah. So, and, uh, have you done anything in your garage? No, most of my time has been, uh, has been spent packing stuff away in the basement in my, in my little workshop down there because we're having, um, uh, drainage dial, the, the basement floor taken up or a bunch of it taken up like a foot back from the wall. And then we're going to put new drainage tile in because, well, I'm in a 65 or 70 year old house and, the, you know, built in the 1950 and all the original drainage tiles sort of eroded. And we've had water in the basement a few times already over the winter and, and now. So in fact, we've got some today. Now, how long as it's, you, as it's you, been rain, it's been raining here off and on for about three days. So you haven't been in this house that long, have you? July 1st. Okay, so you moved in and went, oh, water yeah. in the basement. So Yeah, exactly. So most of my time has been uh, putting stuff away, but I've got one of those uh, pods being dropped off on Saturday. i got my brother-in-law coming over, so we got to get the rest of everything out of the garage or getting out of the basement on Saturday, which means Sunday it's supposed to be low 60s and sunny, they say. <laughs> so they say. And if that's the case, I'm going to roll the, the bike outside of the garage and try and do the points and retime it so that I can finally get that thing to run right and run on both cylinders. Back back when points were something you did as regular spring maintenance every year, you know. Yeah. yeah. And the great thing about YouTube is um, I just typed uh, this is a while ago. I actually got to go find the video again. I typed in XS 400 or something and, and was like, oh, here's a guy who actually shows you like moving the crank into the, and there's actually two windows to make sure that your timing marks are exactly right as you're putting them I'm like, Oh wow, cool. I didn't even, I looked at the manual twice and didn't see that. So, um, so yeah. And, and hopefully that's what's 
keeping both cylinders from running all the time. So, because the last time I rode it was up and down my street here, and it was like it would run on one cylinder, and then all of a sudden it catch on the other cylinder, and it was like, whoa, tripled the power. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and I thought it was a carburation issue, but it's I think it actually is the points and the timing. So, we'll we'll see. It used to be that there was such a thing as a tune-up. I, I mean, I, for example, on our spiders, it's pretty much check the air in the tires, put fresh gas in it, you know, and that's change about oil all. occasionally. <laughs> yeah, although we've got a we've got a uh, a raised ranch with a heated drive-in basement, so Ugh. really there's not a whole lot of not a whole lot of condensation or anything that's going to happen over the winter time in your crankcases there because it's it's heated and air conditioned and it keeps a nice even uh temperature and it's not too humid and so um we we pretty much follow the 3000 mile rule regardless of where the winter falls in that process so yeah yeah uh, and I kept I keep looking at some stuff on uh, other bikes, and I'm in no position to be buying anything, anything at all. Not bikes, not let alone bikes, uh, right now because the uh, the tax man is is due. Um, it's the joys of being a 1099 employee and quarterly taxes. But I keep I've, I found a couple deals on stuff lately. There's a uh, an 04 Tuano in Southern California in San Diego, and I know a couple people down there that could look at it for me. And the guy wanted like $3,700 for it. I'm just like, no, <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, well, we'll yeah. deal with it. I don't know why I do this, but I torture myself with uh, looking at uh, some of the non-current deals from dealers around the country. It all started back when I was looking at the CTX 700s and actually seriously considering something like that. And uh, I got in the habit of going out and looking on uh, Cycle Trader. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, you run around, you know, it's like two-thirds of the original MSRP. Somebody just wants to blow it out. And there have been some bikes that we have mentioned on here before that I've said I like that have come across. And it it's like, okay, here's where I act like an adult. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, um, speaking of semi non-current bikes but well it's going to be current again <clears throat> did you see the thing where honda is going to bring back the nm4 again for 2018 uh i did not know that i i didn't realize they had discontinued it they they had it last year didn't they i mean they've had it the uh, last two years i i think they had it in 16 and then um I didn't necessarily have it for uh, 17. Okay. Um, let's see, was it Honda Media Alert? Is that what it comes? Yeah, so uh, that was the email, but it was just a teaser email. I, it just reminded me when I when I saw this, 11299, available, available June of 2017. Um, oh, it was 16, a, 16 and 18. I think it yeah, originally yeah. came out as an early... 2016 in 19 or in 2015. So. Yeah, it, I just I'm reminded of some people like, oh, it's such a cool bike. It's like very Judge Dread, you know. I mean, it's like what you'd see Sylvester Stallone riding around on her when they did the other the last Judge Dread a couple of years ago. And I'm just like, it's for me such a horrific looking bike. I don't know that I'd want to be seen within 30 feet of it. Uh, but I, that's I a, it's a personal taste thing. So I, I could, you know, with with the spider. I really don't have a need for a long distance bike, but 
ever since I saw Cager's two-part review of it, mm -hmm. and so much of it filmed from the writer's point of view where you're not necessarily looking at the goofy body work and his reaction, because he's he pretty much calls him as he sees him. If if mm -hmm. something's boring and dull, he and he really liked it. And I, after talking with Rusty when he was on the show talking about the the DCT, uh, if I could afford one, I would be all over that. Especially because some of the 16s have been sitting on dealer shelves and. You know, you can, you can get one for 10 grand yeah. and, and it's a, it's, uh, it's also something that, that I think my wife would enjoy. Uh, okay. it, it's got the cruiser position, but it's, it's not the super high bars. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's got kind of drag style bars with a little bit of wind protection and the saddlebags built into it and the floorboards that are reasonably placed. It's not super, you know, cruiser forward pegs on it and everything uh yeah yeah i i could seriously get excited about that one i do think they look ridiculously batmobile fad ish yeah but agreed. uh but hey if it's what floats your boat and you like it more power to you man That's, from from the I, from the drive from the cockpit view i think it's yeah. a cool bike okay and and i say that not not just to you but to everyone i've like in the last i don't know nine to 12 months, I've become more of a, Hey, if you like it, cool. You know, it's like, uh, and maybe it's just cause everyone's so ready to bash absolutely anything these days, or if it doesn't follow and fall, fall directly into a certain criteria or ethos, it's like, Oh, well, that's wrong. Like, yeah, you like it? Cool. Rock uh, on. <laughs> I was talking to a guy when I was actually getting, I was at the local dealership, uh, getting my wife's, spider's rear tire replaced and uh while i was there a guy was picking up a scrambler what is it the i forget what it's called the 400 cc basement bargain basement scrambler where they sleeve it down to a 400 and doesn't have the upside down forks and i i i forget what the heck it's called i'm forgetting the model name but i'll i'll put it in the in the comments Mm -hmm. or in the in the Hooniverse post. A and he said his friends all said you need to spend the extra whatever it is $800, $1200 whatever it was and get the bigger 800cc scrambler. This is, you know, you're buying it and, and he said I took it out, I rode it. I was content with the power it made. I didn't want to spend the extra money. I didn't want the upside down forks. Um this is what I wanted. And yeah. he said his friends were, he, it was not his first bike. He had, I think he was, I think he had like a 400 Hawk or a 450 Hawk or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, this isn't much power as my other bike. It's fuel injected. So it's going to run nicer and I'm happy with it. And I kind of did one of those. Don't let anybody tell you, you can't like what you like. So, yep. And, uh, and speaking of the inexpensive bikes, uh, motorcycle.com and a couple other people have, uh, Rolled out their, their, uh, first impression reviews of the Honda Rebel 500, which we talked about about mm -hmm. what six weeks ago. Yeah. And, um, pretty favorable impressions. It's like, yeah, the, the suspension is a little soft, but other than that, 
everything seems to be pretty positive about that bike. So, which is kind of cool that it's a, a good commuter, fun, fun ish bike at, you know, $5,300 for yeah. brand new out the door. The fact that you can get it with available ABS, I think is great. Um, I, I think the one ingredient is Sergeant or Corbin is going to have to make a nice seat for it. Cause that seat just looks like it's going to be really uncomfortable after about 60, 70 miles. And the, most cruiser seats are the um, the one thing I was a little disappointed to hear was that if you want ABS, the only color you can get it in is black. Yeah. And they um, did the, the, the red looks the, that red tank looks really good on that bike with the black frame. I, I would agree. The red looks better. Uh, they did the same thing with the uh, Valkyrie. Mm. The that if you wanted the ABS, you had to get black and they had that really nice kind of a. Buick LeSabre maroon and mm-hmm. uh, really nice electric blue that were both really gorgeous. And if you wanted ABS, you had to have black. So I, was- I, I, I don't get that. But um, the the other thing that was cool is, I guess, at the press launch, they had showed how easy that bike is to customize, where if you want to do a bob, or bob job on it, it's literally four bolts and the entire rear fender comes off mm-hmm. um and and i think they're going to be doing if if they're not then they're certainly going to be working with aftermarket places to do a lot of customization on the bike which again is cool well we have some uh facebook questions i i i did a uh something the other uh hooniverse podcast network members do and asked for questions for this afternoon episode on Facebook. And, uh, uh, Chris Cashin asked, well, I'm not, this really isn't a question. Uh, drive lines from shaft drive to unsealed chains and belts from modern Kevlar CVT belts to leather belts from the 1800s. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I think what he's saying is he wants us to discuss that as a topic at some point And, uh, I think that's that would be an excellent one to delve into a little bit more. Uh, I don't think I want to tackle that right now as part of this. We should probably devote our uh, an episode to it. Yep. Uh, but uh, I haven't had a lot of shaft drive bikes. I've been mostly a chain person. My Spider is the first belt drive I've ever had. To me... It never has made a real big difference. I know some people who will not buy shaft drive because they say they don't like the handling. And I know people who say they will not ride something with uh, an exposed chain because mm-hmm. they they don't want the maintenance in the, you know, chain lube on the rear wheel and everything else. To me, it's never made that much difference one way or the other. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking the, the BMW ADV guys, they all want their shaft drive. Uh, the Moto Guzzi's, I think that's part of the whole... it. Turn sideways every time you flip the throttle. Um, I think I've ridden ridden one shaft drive bike, and I want to say it was one of the late seventies, early eighties uh, Suzuki GSs, and I can't remember if it was like an eight fifty or an eleven hundred or something along those lines. I've ridden, well, you know, and I couldn't tell you that I remember any difference out of it. So everything else I think has been chain drive that I've ever ridden. So uh, my wife's nine fifty. V-Star Tour was belt drive, but it was was the weirdest handling motorcycle I've driven in recent memory. So that that wasn't a 
a big talking point with that. It, weird, yeah. it handled weird anyways. My Suzuki S50 had shaft drive, but they controlled the shaft effect by simply giving you so little <laughs> rear suspension travel that, uh, it, again, didn't, didn't really make a difference there. So, and didn't one of the Honda Nighthawks in the mid to late eighties have shaft drive? All of the, like the, 650, the, 750? The, the dual camshaft 550, 650, and the 700S. That's were, right. Yeah. Were all shaft drive. The later Nighthawk 750s were chain drive, and the earlier, uh, the one that had the CB750 motor, or, you know, like the same one as the CB750 F, K, and C, that generation had chain drive, and Garrett's 650, I believe, is chain drive. Okay. So, so there you go. There's our pocket conversation on drive lines. We could go into a whole lot more and I should mention, you know, the ultimate is enclosed chains which Boltaco had and uh Yamaha had on the XV920R. Uh that's really the ultimate. It's a little bit more complicated and a little bit extra weight, but you've got a chain that doesn't lose power, doesn't affect handling and in those enclosures will last Darn near as long as a bell. So, hmm. okay. Rob Vale, I'd like to hear you guys talk about breaking bad motorcycle habits. For instance, I'm an all the gear, all the time rider, except when it comes to boots. I have tried several times, but the extra protection the boot provides always seems to numb the feeling between the shifter and brake, and I can't get comfortable wearing them. The topic doesn't have to be gear related, though. Any motorcycle related bad habits you picked up and how you've dealt with them. I'm I'm a real bad one because uh I find it very hard to kick bad habits. Yeah. I probably have a ton of them and I just don't realize that <laughs> that I have them. Um as far as boots, if you don't like the feeling, I hate to say this, but try find a set of used race boots. Um because feeling is oh so important when you're racing and and the feel through the pegs and stuff like that. So rather than more of a off-road ADV street style, try a, try a track boot and see if that makes a, a difference for you. I, I would second that. I had a set of, uh, CD race boots mm-hmm. that I wore for like 10 years until I finally, the, the, uh, sole split on one of them and cracked in two. But until then, and I wouldn't ride in anything else because for exactly that reason, you got some protection, but you could still really get a feel for the pegs and the, and the shifter. And, and good race boots are so expensive now, and, and people are moving stuff every year or two anyways because because they have a, have to have the lacing grades. You can probably buy a decent set of race boots used for I don't know somewhere between a hundred and hundred and fifty bucks. Uh, as as far as uh, apparel uh, boots specifically, if you don't like boots, maybe you should try wearing uh, Nicholas Hunsiger driving shoes. <laughs> And for those of you who don't listen to the other uh, Hooniverse Podcast Network uh, car podcasts, uh, they're all spon- sponsored in just the last couple episodes by Nicholas Hunsiger, and we are not because obviously they don't make riding shoes. So yeah, but I just, still wouldn't just mind a little inside a- baseball there. Yeah, you know he's got some cool posters and T-shirts. So besides those really cool driving shoes, I can, I, you know, I, I'd be, you know, <laughs> I like his stuff. If you would like to sponsor the False Neutral Podcast, 
<laughs> please contact uh, Jeff Glucker at Hooniverse, and uh, we can arrange something, and we'll read your blurb twice per episode. And we can work with you to help develop some motorcycle-themed apparel or, or gear or whatever you want. <laughs> yes. Uh, I will tell you that I have one really bad habit of driving manual cars that I get from driving motorcycles. Motorcycles tend to not have a lot of torque, and they've got uh, the ones that I've driven, uh, oil bath clutches, so you don't have to worry about the clutch wearing so much if you've got it, you know, in that mm-hmm. friction zone. So when I drive cars with manual transmissions, having learned to drive a manual on a bike first, anytime I'm slowing down, hitting the brakes, decelerating, I got the clutch in. Mm-hmm. And I have had so many people say that's not the way you drive a car. You push the clutch in when you get down to, you know, a thousand RPM and it's a bike at a thousand RPM. You're just about going to stalling and you know, bucking <laughs> yeah. and everything. Yeah. And uh, you're going to wear out your clutch. You're going to wear out your clutch. And, and I try to tell myself, okay, shift your thinking. You can decelerate without putting the clutch in. And I, I just can't do it. It's, it's become such second nature for me that when I grab the front brake on a bike, I grab the other lever mm-hmm. along with it and I just do the same thing in a car. And so I'm sure if any of the Hooniverse guys actually rode with me, I would get major demerits. Uh, well, the, the one that I, I have done the same thing or do the same thing frequently. Uh, the one that's gotten me of late is, uh, and this is something Matt Fair has talked about on his, in his podcast is, uh, in a manual transmission, blipping for downshifts. Just drive, even driving on the street, let alone on the track. And I'm like, when I was a kid, first learning to drive, I, I did it a little bit because, because that's what racers did, right? And I was into car racing and stuff and motorcycle racing. So that's what racers did going in the corner. You blip the throttle and match revs as you downshift. Well, my stepmother at the time used to yell at me. I mean, yell at me. You're going to break the car. You're going to blow up the engine, blah, blah, blah. You don't need to do that. And so. So like at 16, that got so drilled into my head that it's only now I'm starting to recover from that <laughs> <laughs> and can think about trying to heel toe and everything just on the street. And I, on a racetrack, I can do it without thinking too hard on the on a uh, on, on the street. I'm always like worried about, all right, did I hit the brake too hard and someone's going to rear end me or am I like not the brake hard enough? I'm going to run into someone in front of me because I'm too caught, too worried about trying to match revs on the street. So, yeah, yeah, I've tried to do it some and I. I can't rev match. I, I can't heel and toe. It, my my brain and my feet don't work that way. Uh, the other yeah. thing, sorry to contrast motorcycle and car people, is uh, a lot of the new bikes now <clears throat> have auto blippers for up and down, right? Mm-hmm. And and I have yet to read a review or hear a review or watch a review where when, that, when they have that, it's not a, an approved feature. Like, this is great. Yet anytime you see it in a car where there's a rev match feature – all the car people are like, this is the, you know, if you can't rev match in a car, you don't deserve to be having a driver's car. You know, it's just like, it's like, it's the worst thing you could ever do. And I'm like, it, it's funny how the two are so opposite on mm-hmm. that. And on the opposite side, uh, anti-lock brakes. I remember reading in 1984 that, you know, the, the really lousy anti-lock brakes on the Corvette that they were like, you know, this is pretty cool. And now they've even got like lean sensitive anti-lock <laughs> brakes on the KTMs that are, that's just spectacular engineering. 
and I still hear people, oh, there's no, there's no reason front and re- any of this integration or anti-lock brakes or anything. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be riding if, if you can't do that. I'm like, I'm yeah. sorry. That's, that's just too nice a feature. Yeah. Welcome to 2017. All right. <laughs> uh, I, I was speaking of habits and how hard they are to break. Uh, one of the things I'm doing on Boltakenstein is I'm having, I'm putting together a crossover shift linkage because, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of did a halfway job of, making them shift on the left the last five years that they made them but those crankcases are more expensive so the ones i bought were earlier and they it only shifts on the right and i'm building a linkage that will allow me to shift on the left and break on the right just the way i'm used to and uh i had over the just yesterday or today over at uh CafeRacer.net in my build thread, somebody said, Oh, just shift on the right. It's not that hard. You'll pick it up. You know, I've, I've got GP shift pattern bikes and right and left and standard and it, it doesn't make any difference. You, you pick it up in no time. I'm like, no, I had a BSA for about a year. And after a year, I was still trying to upshift with the bottom, you know, the underside of the brake pedal going, why, why won't this shift? So, you know, oh, my shifters, you know, jammed. So, some of us do not have those quickly adaptable neural networks and premotor cortexes that allow us to rethink that. I will tell you the last time I rode my Honda, I got on the spider the next day, which does not have a front brake lever. And probably two or three times I reached for the front brake lever that wasn't there after one trip to the next town and back on my Honda. So it's like, Old habits do die hard. I, I have to remind myself um, every time I get on a, on a bike. All right, same thing. Is it race pattern or street pattern? So it's like a, a street or yeah, street pattern is like all right, up is up and down is down. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise, because if you don't remind yourself, or at least if I don't remind myself, I'm in the wrong gear. I'm like, what the hell am I? You know, and the last thing I need to do is downshift when I mean to upshift. So yeah, yeah. And uh, another thing is, I noticed when I was out riding the Honda that. I was, I never was one of these guys that just braked with my, my, uh, rear brake only. I, from the time I started out, I knew cover the front brake, front brake and back brake together, modulate them both every time you stop. And I was really good about that for all of my riding career up until I got the spider that has just one brake pedal. Mm-hmm. When I was out on the Honda, I found myself braking with the rear brake only. And then when I wanted to seriously stop grabbing the front brake, I'm like, darn it. I have completely unlearned a whole career's worth of really good habits. <laughs> so the, the bad habits are hard to get rid of. The good habits, yeah, you can lose those right away. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Our next question. Dark siding. Stupid idea or awesome idea? I don't want to touch this with a 10 foot pole. For those of you who don't know, dark siding is using car tires on motorcycles. Uh, those who do it rack up thousands and thousands of trouble free, accident free, hazard free miles. And they are out to convince you that the low 
mileage life of motorcycle tires is one big conspiracy that they could last a whole lot longer, that they're deliberately bilking you for extra funds. And there is a whole subset of Darksiders. There are spider Darksiders who use automotive tires on their three-wheelers, which is an even more contentious argument on both sides if you it, it's just amazing so i would say even on my spider i i buy motorcycle tires and uh there are enough arguments about uh the fact that the bead shapes are slightly different and just the 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 way the casings are designed to deal with lateral stress and everything Yes, I believe that car tires can work. I don't think they will ever work as well as a dedicated motorcycle tire. Are they cheaper? Sure. I don't ride a motorcycle for transportation. I don't need to do the... It is, it is a luxury for me. <clears throat> I am going to spend the money for the better performing, faster wearing tire. And if you don't want to... Do whatever you want, but no, I don't think it's an awesome idea. I wouldn't go far to say it's a stupid idea, but it's to me an unnecessary idea. Yeah. Um, and car tires are built for certain weight, weights and loads. And on a motorcycle, you're never going to achieve those weights and loads. So they'll never operate at their peak efficiency to begin with. So just to give you a, a comparison, I have had, uh, What I had somebody who rode a hardtail that had a rear brake without a front brake. And he was an old grizzled guy with a big gray beard. And he said, I've been riding motorcycles like this for 20 years. You can't tell me that it's unsafe to not have a front brake. Can you do it? Yeah. Is it safe? No, I would not use that term for only having a rear brake. I would put putting car tires on in the same category. Can you do it and put up thousands and thousands of of incident-free miles? Yeah, I know guys that have. I mean, there's plenty of anecdotal evidence. That doesn't make it safe, in my view. And on a bike nowadays, in today's traffic, anything you can do to be a little safer is probably worth it. Yep, agreed. Agreed 100%. Uh... Antonio Borini, Borini said, what do you guys think about Q50s, 60s? Question, I work at Infinity and they look really nice and they are fast as bleep, but I would never own one. The headlight assembly is like $12,000, $1,200 for just one. You're, you are correct. There are better options available. Um, <laughs> you know how much I know about cars. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm guessing you thought you were asking Cameron and Brad or maybe Jeff this question. <laughs> <laughs> but he also asked, also, any good arrest stories? Uh, I can say that I have never been arrested. I don't have any good arrest stories unless, you know, it's... I don't even really know any good friends who have been arrested. Uh, nobody's ever actually called to have me bail them out of jail. 
Um, do I have good arrest stories? Yes. Am I willing to uh, them? tell them? <laughs> no, I am not. <laughs> I am not. I didn't do anything horrible. Um, nothing, you know, did, did, didn't harm anyone, um, but I did some things and none of it was speeding or anything like that. Well, that's enough. That's fine. No, I do not. I do not care to share details. Thank you. Uh, and I think that probably puts us at the end of this episode. So thank you for joining us, Eric. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Pete. Garrett, I hope you're having fun wherever you are. We're looking forward to a much better episode that people like more because you'll be here next week. So long. We'll see you next week.